Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of Sell and Gene, the podcast. I'm Erin Harris, Chief Editor of Sell and Gene, and your host for the podcast. I have an amazing guest with me today, a fellow Greater Philadelphia Region resident. He is Kevin Mahoney, Chief Executive Officer of University of Pennsylvania Health System. Kevin, welcome and thank you for joining me. I'm so happy you're here. Aaron, thanks for having me. The, the rain just passed, so I'm looking out at some sunshine out my window and I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, same here, same here. All right, listeners, as you know, here on Selling the Podcast, we jump right in, deliver some really valuable insight, and then get you right back on your way. So without further ado, we're going to we're going to jump right in. Uh, so Kevin, talk us through your path to University of Pennsylvania Health System. Kind of give us the Cliff Notes version of your career path that led you to where you are today. Sure. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Since, yeah. I'm, telling, since I'm telling it, I probably sound better than I actually am, but that's my, my ego getting in the way. But I grew up not, not far from uh, Center City out, out in the suburbs. But back then, everyone lived in... Um, the, the suburbs and they worked in Philadelphia. So they sure. took the train and you slept in the suburbs. And in, in this late seventies, I ran into Bill Rouse, who's famous in Philadelphia for his pushing the envelope. And Mr. Rouse, uh, I was working for a landscape company. He said, I want you to cut this field because I'm going to put offices out here. And I'm like, you're as crazy as a $2 bill. People sleep in the suburbs. And he said, no, they're going to work in the suburbs. They're going to sleep in the suburbs and they're going to work in the suburbs. And and he wanted me to cut this field that just the fall before I had been pheasant hunting with my brothers in. So it, it, interesting. But what Bill taught me was unless, unless something's a law and it's just a guideline, you should push through it. Right. And And he lived his life that way. He was a great influence to me. But the, the funny thing that happened in terms of my career is while I was cutting that field, I fell off of the farm tractor, under the farm tractor, and it ran over me. Oh, my gosh. And I was severely injured, and I ended up in the hospital for a long time. Yeah. For a 19-year-old young male to be in the hospital, powerless, yeah. and to watch the doctors and the nurses and the, the person delivering the food and everyone rallying around me, comforting my mom rallying yeah, around me to yeah. get me better, just left a, a mark on me. And, and I said, I need to go into hospital administration or into hospital work. And unfortunately, right. I was not a good student. So biology and all those things uh, weren't possible. So I shifted to uh, business and, and uh, then went to Temple and began sure. my career up at Episcopal Hospital in uh, Kensington. Sure, sure. Well, um, I certainly, University of Pennsylvania Health System is, uh, well, in a very unfortunate incident that I wish hadn't happened, I think it is certainly great where it brought you to where you are today and that you powered through. The, um, for sure. And, you know, I've been at the health system now for uh, 25 years. We, mm -hmm. We've grown from one hospital to now six hospitals. We span from Lancaster County and the Susquehanna River to the Delaware up to Princeton in South Jersey. Sure. Pushing hard into not just hospitals, but ambulatory centers, home care, and increasingly the iPhone, because so much of our healthcare is going to be delivered virtually. So we're we're continuing to to expand and and grow as uh, as the environment changes. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to get to specifically the the health system itself in in just a minute. But before we do get to that, I do want to go a little bit back uh, more into your background. Um, 
and help how how your business background helped you to steer Penn's health system specifically to become the leader it is in cell and gene therapy. So can you talk a little bit about your business background, but then you know where we are today, where Penn's health system is today within cell. It's a leader in cell and gene therapy. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? So I, I, I think it, it's a couple fold. On, on the macro level, it is understanding how hospitals, particularly academic medical centers, make money. And that is by creating and advancing knowledge that will attract you know, ever sicker patients that, that need us from farther and farther away. So mm-hmm. it's natural for the University of Pennsylvania, who have invented so many things over the last 270 years. Mm-hmm. 1996, Carl June uh, uh, walked through uh, from his time in the Navy. We were his first non-military uh, uh, job. Yep. And he had an idea of re-engineering cells. And who who knew that it would turn in, but about 60% of the health system's margin funds research. Mm-hmm. So we were able to build Carl some cell, um, some manufacturing space to work through things. So from 96 until 2010, when he wrote his Sentinel paper, mm-hmm. what the University of Pennsylvania stands for is creating and disseminating the knowledge. And we just kept funding his idea he got grants, he had philanthropy and, and, you know, but together we were able to push that forward. And then it puts us on the mark as a, a leading cancer center, which draws more patients to us, which means we can make more money, which means 60% of the more money we're making is funding new researchers with sure. new ideas. And we're hoping that virtuous cycle will continue forward. I'm certain, I'm certain it will. And, and Carl June, I mean, he's a household name in cell and gene therapy. So, uh, to have, you know, secured him early on is, is certainly a feat for the the best part though, Aaron, I'll I'll tell you about, I pass the hallways and and I I never know who's going to be a future Nobel prize winner or a future savior of uh, humanity. When Carl came, those of us who were here recognized that was a crazy idea. We were Mm -hmm. willing to take the bet, but now everyone says, I knew from the day I laid eyes on him, he was going to be a hero. And, yeah. and it, it's funny looking back. He, he came, he was quiet, he was humble, but he was so aggressive and so confident in his idea. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to, again, you asked a question about business background. It's always talent, mm-hmm. whether you're the Philadelphia Eagles, the 76ers playing tonight, scientists, it's attracting the very best talent, getting them into a collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. And then providing them with the resources so they can advance and, and move forward. Right. And just getting out of their way. Yes. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we, we, you mentioned earlier the the hospitals and, and that make up the University of Pennsylvania health system. I want to talk about that in and of itself. What exactly comprises University of Pennsylvania's health system? So we, we have um, six hospitals that we own, Mm -hmm. we are unique in that I I believe we're the largest privately held health system owned by the university. Okay. So most places you go, the health system is separate from the university, Mm -hmm. but we are, we are owned by the trustees, which makes us a a unique organizational structure. But the, the flagship hospital on the main campus 
uh, the Hospital University of Pennsylvania. Just eight blocks north is our companion hospital. We, we run them uh, pretty much together, Penn Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. So our trauma center is at Penn Presbyterian. It's not at the, the main campus, but again, being eight blocks away, they, they run in synergy. If you go to the east, we have the nation's first hospital, which we're very proud of, Pennsylvania Hospital. Mm-hmm. Tremendous amount of history. And, and the fact that we were the nation's first really formed because of infectious diseases. Because that's what people were dying from back then. You didn't, sure. you didn't die from old age because something would kill you before then. And it was right. often the flu, a pandemic, pneumonia, and things like that. So the hospital really focused on infectious diseases. It brought great comfort to us during the pandemic that 270 years ago we were founded. And we've been fighting the nation's uh, uh, pandemics and outbreaks uh, ever since. Princeton Hospital in uh, Princeton Boroughs, uh, our newest addition. Mm-hmm. And then out to the west, um, Chester County Hospital in Lancaster General. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, we, we are then surrounded by increasingly complex ambulatory centers. So we opened uh, just several months ago, the new Penn Medicine at Radnor, mm-hmm. which is really a hospital without beds. You can get all the advanced cancer care, all the clinical trials, radiation, surgery, everything um, uh, except for the inpatient bed, and those will continue to grow. And then our home care agency spans uh, uh, just a wide geography. Sure, sure. Uh, and certainly my family, we all, we are all our primary care physicians and my children, their pediatricians are through Penn Medicine. So we are all, we're all are cared for very well by Penn Medicine uh, out here in out here in the burbs. So <laughs> could I use an example though, Aaron, uh, of a, a treatment to show you how we want the, the health system to play a critical role in advancing science? Absolutely. So, so Jim Wilson, who's one of our, our great uh, uh, scientists and inventor of uh, a lot of adenovirus gene therapy for inherited diseases, years ago created, I believe it's AAV8 uh, mm-hmm. is what, what he labels it. He develops it in his lab. We do testing uh, with, with the, the animals. We, we advance it forward. We then sell that patent to a company called Regenex Bio, who eventually sells it to uh, Novartis. Mm-hmm. And they're using it to tackle spinal muscular atrophy one, SMA one. Mm-hmm. And it is predominant among many Mennonite Amish children. So the, the clinical trials were done at, at our Lancaster General. Sure. So invented in Philadelphia at 34th Street. Right. Developed and then tested in, in, in children in, in Lancaster County. And that's how we think we, we cover the, the whole gamut of getting things from bench to bedside and eventually to FDA approval. Yeah, sure. Right. All within the same ecosystem. Excellent. I. Talk to us a little bit about now. I mean, obviously, University of Pennsylvania healthcare system or health system, excuse me, is known for innovation top to bottom. But specifically in cell and gene therapy research development beyond, you know, how has University of Pennsylvania health system? You just gave a perfect example, but a little bit more on how the entire network pushes forward 
innovation in cell and gene therapy research. And then we'll get a little bit into Philadelphia itself as, you know, as it's known as Silicon Valley, but um, talk to us a little bit about more about paving the way for innovation in cell and gene therapy research and development. So again, I think it comes from our ethos. We were founded by Ben Franklin, one of the world's great inventors and innovation is in our DNA, we say, mm-hmm. and we're always trying to create new new treatments and cell and gene therapy I think the, the the challenge that we have is the expense of the treatment. Mm-hmm. So again, working with Wharton, talking to other people, how can we get that cost of goods set, uh, uh, sales down? How can we bring it forward? But also, how do we fill up every clinical trial with a diverse population? Mm-hmm. And that the health system allows that to take place because you don't you're not just enrolling people in in Philadelphia. You're enrolling people in Chester County, Lancaster County, Berks County, Bucks County, poor neighborhoods, rich neighborhoods, all different types of demographics. And Mm -hmm. that allows, you know, the clinical trial to be more representative. Sure. And then it'll move quicker through uh, the FDA approval and the like. So we we think, again, five million uh, outpatient visits a year. It's if we treat every patient if they want to if they sign the consent as being part of our learning health system, it helps us accelerate cell and gene therapy so quickly. And when I started in the business, I was out at Bryn Mawr Hospital. We used to say it would take 15 years for something invented at the academic medical center to get to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Now it takes about 15 seconds. Right, sure. So I think a critical part of the role we play is if you live in Lancaster, you don't want to have to drive downtown. You don't you don't want to have to leave your family behind and the like. So we, we work hard to push out as fast as we can out into our community hospitals these advances. Sure, sure. Uh, and and does that how does that apply to to people who I mean people travel from all over the country to be treated at you know the University of Pennsylvania. So certainly not only within, you know, the greater Philadelphia region, but also nationally, you know, that all that that treatment helps, you know, every demographic across the nation, I'm certain. So, um, you know, anything, anything about that? Yeah, no, um, you know, we, I should also re- remind everybody, Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. The, the faculty are, are Penn Medicine uh, faculty, but a separate organization. But Madeline Bell and the, the scientists there are close partners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a few children's hospitals like CHOP. Maybe Boston would, would tell you, Boston Children's, but people come from a great distance to Children's Hospital. People come a great distance to the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it allows us to play that critical role of Again, what I talked about, creating knowledge and disseminating it. And hopefully as we push um, push forward, we'll touch on vaccines a little bit, I think. You know, things that we can make and um, if we can't, how do I say this right, Aaron? If we can't make it community level, we wanna make it so that people can access Philadelphia sure. from around the globe. And we have hotel rooms and we have mm-hmm. an infrastructure that allows people to come here and, and receive the care they need. Right. And stay comfortably. Sure. Sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about hospital systems and how they are evolving to meet 
the needs of cell and gene therapy patients. And so as, as these complex therapies are commercialized, you know, talk to us about how the University of Pennsylvania health system works with, you know, regulators, manufacturers. It's, it's, uh, you mentioned Regenex Bio, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, it's hospitals Mm -hmm. and, um, to, to create the, to create the therapies so that they are, um, disseminated quickly and as, you know, patients and physicians, you know, in, in real time. So just talk to us about how the University of Pennsylvania Health System has evolved to work with everyone to meet the evolving needs as these therapies are commercialized. Sure. So we, I, we've done it several, several ways, and I'll just touch on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So one, we used to talk about the valley of death was from NIH grant to getting a commercial funder. Mm-hmm. You know, people would, would fall into this. And we said, we're going to close that. So we set aside $50 million in a co-investment fund for companies that are spinning out of Penn. That if they pledge to stay in Philadelphia, sure, we, we will help fund their, their startup. And that has brought, uh, in the last three years, over a billion dollars of VC funding into Philadelphia. So it starts to create that ecosystem mm-hmm. because then... The VC, the companies are hiring talent and the talent, they come to a symposium at at Penn and they hear the latest, they take it back to their company, they go to a national meeting, they talk about, they learned about this down at at Penn. And again, our reputation grows, but Mm -hmm. so does Philadelphia's and and people are attracted uh, to to coming here. Um, You know, when uh, HQ2 was coming through from Amazon, they said we didn't have enough tech talent. For sure, in cell and gene therapy, we're being rated by so many people for the talent that we're developing. For sure. So part of our trick is to, to make sure that we continue to grow that, that system of talent. The, the other thing that um, we think we're really good at, and, and I'm bragging a little bit, mm-hmm. is we know how to manufacture. Mm-hmm. We know how to produce lentivirus and, and AAV. So having... GMP facilities in and around the campus so the startup companies can get started. When we did our deal with Novartis in 2010, one of the biggest things was we had to do comparability runs between what we made at Penn and what they were making up in in Northern Jersey. And the FDA wanted to make sure that the recipe was identical, the outcomes were identical. So our knowledge of uh, cell and gene therapy, engineering techniques, Again, I think we're going to be a magnet that draw people to us. They learn it. They may go back eventually. You know, hopefully um, it grows across the country. But I always want Penn and Philadelphia to be the, the locus of, of attention. Sure. And I, and I certainly it, it, it has been and will continue to be uh, even the fact that it's known as Silicon Valley uh, is you know, a boon to all the, the wonderful work that's being done here. And I'll tell you, I was on Penn's campus for dinner uh, just a few weeks ago. And everywhere you turn, there is, you know, the campus itself, but certainly uh, the hospital research buildings. I mean, there's, there's everywhere you turn, there's nowhere to go besides, you know, into an extremely important facility that, you know, not only for cell and gene therapy, of course, but 
for all of healthcare. Uh, it's just the entire, all of, you know, Penn's uh, real estate of, of University City, because Drexel's right there too, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, man, you can't, I don't know if there's any room for more buildings. The only way to go is up. <laughs> we're, we're building up, we're building smarter. Um, yeah. I, I think though you're, you're, you're touching on what is going to make us continue to have a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. which is all the assets are in Philadelphia. Right. And, and I'll use Penn, but I, I could use Jefferson, Drexel, so many, so many others of my colleagues. But when, when the FDA approved the first gene therapy, which mm-hmm. was Carl June's uh, uh, acute leukemia, sure. again, built at, at Penn, tested at CHOP, price tag was $475,000 for a shot. We immediately had a symposium led by Wharton mm-hmm. that so many people came to on, can we afford the cure? Mm-hmm. And the economists were talking about, is there a different way? But if you took all the cancer patients by $475,000, you know, the, the country would go bankrupt. So sure. we, we tackled head on, not just we're creating it, but we're also trying to solve the economic issues that go into it. Yeah, if you go up yeah. to the lab, the, the 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 manufacturing space, a lot of the engineering school graduates are working in that that space. So they went from one building, the graduation, to another building to to cure cancer. So it's an exciting uh, uh, place to be. And again, everyone's playing their their part. Uh, Gene Bennett, who's one of our great scientists, mm-hmm. had the first FDA approval for an inherited. Uh, gene uh, disorder, LCA2, a type of blindness for for children. Again, mm-hmm. invented in her lab at Penn, ch- tested at, 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 at CHOP. But what was new in this story is the vet school uh, had a huge part to play because the canine eye and the human eye have so many similarities. Interesting. So yeah. a lot of her work was done at the vet school. Sure. And, and collaborating with uh, Gus Aguera, who's one of the, the the scientists over there. So again, we have everything within walking distance and it just makes collaboration so much easier. Oh, you sure do. And the, the energy is infectious. You just, it's just a wonderful place to be. I would encourage any listener who has the opportunity to uh, spend some time uh, in that vicinity of university city uh, to do so. It's definitely, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it's a great place to be even to just even to literally just walk around and see the history the, the, the history is um important to us and and uh, again we we link back to to so many things i mentioned earlier the vaccine 23 years ago dr drew weissman came to penn and he started working on messenger rna and again like carl nobody knew him right Six months ago, everybody knew him because his work is the basis of the Pfizer and Moderna uh, vaccines. Sure, sure. And, and we're so hopeful that Dr. Weissman and Dr. Carioco get credit, hopefully through the Nobel Prize uh, route. But um, they, you know, who knew 23 years ago that the, the Penn family was working on a pandemic that nobody even thought I mean, about right, you know, 23 right. months ago? So. Sure. It, it's a unique place that, uh, as you said, has a lot of energy That's that, that it, people are working towards. For sure. Uh, I want to touch quickly on, you know, patient, we hear a lot about patient centricity and patient advocacy. 
uh, you know, in, in the cell and gene therapy sector. And so talk to us about how the University of Pennsylvania health system remains patient focused and what's on the horizon for, you know, patient advocacy, patient centricity for the health system. So I'll start, I'll start first without cell and gene therapy. Sure. Which is I've been pushing hard and will continue to push hard that the patient has to be at the center of everything we do. And that is natural sure. for nurses and doctors to understand, and, and they do it. Mm-hmm. It's a little unnatural for billing and documentation and, and all, all the things that, that go with that. It's unnatural for our facilities people. You mentioned we put up great buildings. Logistically though, people have to drive hours to get here. Mm-hmm. So. Part of our challenge with patient centricity is how do we deliver as much care as close to home? And again, as I mentioned, we'll often be on the iPhone in the future or whatever device, personal right. device of, right. of choice. But we, we want to try to continue to push our brand and, and our science uh, throughout the, the country. So mm-hmm. we know radiology, for example. Mm-hmm. You go into your local hospital, you have the radiologist on call. Well, I walk into the local hospital, if I have a, a, a chest issue, mm-hmm. I would want Dr. Litt at mm-hmm. Penn to read my chest x-ray because that's all he does. He's the world's expert on, on chest CTs. Mm-hmm. So with technology, there's no reason why you have to have your x-ray read by the local doctor. Sure, You sure. could have it read by... Every um, you know the pen expert in that particular thing. So we're going to continue to try to keep the patient at the center, whether they're 34th and Spruce, mm-hmm. whether they're in Lancaster County, whether they're in Florida, Arizona, California. We want to build a system mm-hmm. around that patient, and, and we're making great great progress. Where I think it becomes really critical, particularly in gene therapy, which so many of the treatments are for ultra orphan diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, less than a thousand patients, less than five thousand patients, and you know, frankly, the insurance companies—they don't have a formula for that small denominator mm-hmm. and, and that expensive treatment. So we're, we formed a uh, public benefit corporation mm-hmm. to try to get CVS and others to help us come up with new ways that'll be cheaper, so Great. that families can access. these necessary treatments and not not go bankrupt or not have any access because it's hard to find VCs that are interested in a thousand. They, they, you know, they want half a million epidemiology a year. So we're we're trying to um, work hard on being the the patient advocate uh, as well as patient being in the center, but also who's talking to Blue Cross, who's talking to Aetna, who's talking to different um, uh, payers Right. Uh, Spark Therapeutics uh, founded out a shop up here on Market mm-hmm. Street. Spent a lot of time with them on how can we make this more affordable? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, insurance, as you know, health insurance is designed for you. You're treated today and you pay today. Mm-hmm. If you have a lifelong disease, $475,000 today is a lot of money for a cancer cure. If you were, if you spread it over 20 years, Mm-hmm. Is twenty three thousand dollars a year? I think most of us say I'll I'll pay that, mm-hmm. but insurance doesn't work that way. So we're we're working with our congressmen, our our senators, our industry partners, trying to 
come up with innovative financing mechanisms. Good, good. Well, if, if history has taught us anything, it's that, you know, Penn will, Penn will make it happen. So we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying. I, we've come to the end of our time, Kevin, but, um, at the end of every Cell and Gene, the podcast episode, uh, I ask the same every guest the same question so that listeners can get a peek into who my guests are outside of their, their office or the lab. And so we're going to end on this question, which is describe your ideal Saturday. My ideal Saturday is um, I'd be up early with my dogs. Uh-huh. I get the coffee going. My wife, Pam, of uh, 38 years would come down. We, we'd catch up, mm-hmm. make sure that we knew we were both doing that day. I would get my lawn cut early. Right. So it was off the uh, the list. And then Pam and I would either go to the store or take a walk. And we live by Valley Forge Park, so I walk through the park a lot. Yeah, yeah. If I could convince any one of my three children to, to visit with me or call me, that would be a, a, a double plus for the day. Yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds great. I, myself, am not far from Valley Forge Park. So I echo your sentiment of going there and just getting some fresh air and walking around and taking in the greenery. So sounds not bad to me. Terrific. (laughs) Aaron, I enjoy talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, this was wonderful. And that pretty much wraps us up. So that's it for me, Aaron Harris. And we, my guest today, as I mentioned, Kevin Mahoney, CEO of University of Pennsylvania Health System. Kevin, thank you for your time and your insight. Uh, I think we could do this again and sit down for hours and talk cell and gene therapy and the innovation that the University of Pennsylvania Health System brings to it. So thank you for all of your continued hard work. You're quite welcome. Thank you. All right, listeners. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tell your colleagues to do the same. Uh, You can find us at www.cellandgene.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. So that's it for me. Thanks for your time. And I'll talk to you soon.